about uh enter the warrior's gate and i have to mention i reviewed and watched cockneys vs zombies which you made right yes and i have to say that it was probably one of my favorite zombie films you know in a long time i mean that's right up there with Shaun of the dead and i loved it i loved it i told everybody about it i appreciate that thank you that was, sort of that was great put but, a lot of love into that little film yes <laughs> So Enter the Warrior's Gate is this really cool movie you got to make with, like, the legendary filmmaker Luc Besson and Robert Mark uh, Kamen. Uh, how, did, how did Enter the Warrior's Gate uh, come about? I mean, it's this, this video game uh, type of movie where somebody gets transported almost into, like, a video game scenario and back in the past. Like, it's, it's a really fun movie. I really liked it. Oh, thank you. I kind of, you know, it sort of came about... You know, after Cockneys vs. Zombies, I um I went and I developed a, a high concept science fiction project, and um it was on the blacklist in in um, Los Angeles in LA um in 2013. And you know, the blacklist is the sort of best unproduced screenplays, and Fox bought it, and it was going to be my next movie. And then I realized um when it took nine months to do the contract that um you know the studio system moves a lot slower than um than um you know, the indie system where I come from. So um, while that was going, um, Luke was looking for um, a European director who could do comedy, action, and visual effects. And um, I had realized the hard way um, on Cockneys vs. Zombies that, um, you know, making a horror comedy is kind of like the toughest challenge you can set yourself as a first-time filmmaker because to control the tone of, um, of something... That has to be, you know, funny for 10 seconds, dramatic and heartfelt for five, scary for 10, action-packed for five, funny again, and changes constantly. It, and to control that without it falling apart, it's, it's really difficult, you know. And um, it's, it's set in the edit suite thinking, oh, my God, I wish I had just done a thriller, you know, or <laughs> just a straight-up scary film, you know, with no, with no tonal changes. Um, it would have been much easier. However, having graduated through that school, um, it sort of turned out that um, actually in Europe there's not many comedy action directors. There's not, um, you know, there's not that many of us, especially sort of coming up through the ranks that um, have experience in that. So um, um, that's kind of, I guess, why that script landed on my table. And uh, I remember it was at the Berlin Film Festival and it was uh, in the year that um, Chinese movies were winning two or three awards and um and the sort of cover page comes up and it says Luke Pesong and Robert Kamen. I was like, wow, okay. That's um that's amazing. That's um, you know, they are the sort of in Europe especially Luke is kind of the most established I mean the legendary producer in Europe core is the biggest studio and um and I was very excited about it. And then when I read it what I've what I appreciated about the script. Now I think it's I mean the conceit of it is not the most original in the world. Let's be straight up. I mean, I think, um, you know, you have the last Starfighter. There's other 
you know, portal type movies. But um, for me, I, I kind of felt the sense of humor of it and the fun and the energy and the, the brightness of it kind of, you know, made it not matter so much because I just thought it was a fun story that, um, you know, would be enjoyable to watch and, and um, also would let me play with a lot of things that um, I wanted to play with anyway. And, and also it reminded me basically of the films I watched when I grew up and I watched films like, um, um, you know, of course, all the Spielberg movies and the Amblin um, entertainment of the eighties, but then also um, kind of crazy Hong Kong movies like Chewy Hawks, a Chinese ghost story yes. or, um, um, the Shaw Brothers, uh, 36 Chamber of Shaolin, yes. or um, Chang'e Mo's Hero, or Curse of Golden Flower. And um, and especially like um, a Chinese ghost story, which was a, a late 80s movie, and it was sort of doing the craziest wire work and sort of Hong Kong style tricks and right. flying swords and, um, you know, it was sort of a real eye-opener. I was a very young teenager, and I thought, how, you know, this is kind of unlike, so unlike anything our cinema and our filmmaking does. It really kind of made me want to try experimental films and different kind of movies, basically. Right, yeah. Um, you just took my my question. I was like, when I watched uh, this film, it brought me back to, you know, the 80s, watching all these movies with, you know, the kid that has to do, you know, goes on a big adventure, you know, maybe otherworldly. And it, like, totally brought me back to that nostalgic era. And you, you did it very well. <laughs> cool. Yeah, thank you. I think, um, and I think, um, you know, yeah, it's it's sort of, it's sort of an interesting moment in time where, where we're making movies where, you know, uh, sort of Chinese um, f- um, production companies are trying to um, co-produce with Western ones. And, you know, um, in, on one hand, it's kind of a savior of our film market because, uh, you know, everyone's budgets are being so squeezed and it's so difficult to make movies now in many ways, um, unless you're making a Marvel movie or, um, you know, a sequel of a prequel or something, um, or the reimagining of that, or, you know, you know, something established. So to make original movies now is becoming harder and harder. And, um, and sort of the idea of maybe mixing of doing a, you know, of doing a film with a French producer, French crew, American writer, German, British director in China, it's sort of exciting. And I thought, um, I thought it'd be so amazing to um to be able to go there and maybe um and film with the legendary Hong Kong crews and, and those amazing uh, huge backlot studios that only exist in China now. Um, that I kind of didn't want to not do you know not uh, I didn't want to miss out on that opportunity. At the same time, every single co-production up to that point that has ever been made was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so like um so the chances of failure just were incredibly high because there was no one i could point to that had you know operated in that environment and come back with a decent film you know and i think um that was the scary part you know and i think um i'm glad you you enjoyed the movie i think 
just to make it decent was a monumental effort, and I hope people will enjoy it more than decent. You know, yeah, you know, but it's, it was it's, really it's a very fun movie, an adventurous. It has good characters. Uh, I mean, I, you, you go into that movie and you come out, you know, smiling. You know, that's it's a fun film. Mm. So uh, yeah. I really liked it. Uh, and I, I want to. This kind you, of ties it together with Cockney's versus Zombies, yeah, which it does. <laughs> it does. Um, so I, I'm, you know, uh, with my outlets and me personally, I love uh, pro wrestling. And you got to work with Dave Batista, who is a former WWE champion. How was that? And did you ever watch wrestling growing up? You know, I, when I was, well, it's a while back that I watched wrestling, but, um, you know, I realized that only now the Undertaker has finally retired, but I watched him when he was growing up, when right, he was doing right. it. <laughs> um, and, um, and I, I remember many nights sort of staying up and, and watching all the different, um, the different, um, wrestling matches, but, um, I, you know, to be honest, I haven't watched it enough lately and I want to get back into it, but, um, I was really aware of, um, Dave Bautista through a previous movie of his called the man with the iron fist. Right. And, um, I thought at the time, while the movie maybe is a, a flaw, not perfect. Well, actually, I don't want to say anything about other movies. Um, I think, um, um, all movie making endeavors are, are, are good. And, um, but I think he was great in it. Um, and, um, and I remember, he read the script and he liked it and we did a Skype interview and it was two weeks before this kind of obscure, maybe certain to fail Marvel movie called guardians of the galaxy came out. Right. And, um, so it was just before, and he, he was sort of on the Skype, just like you, um, to me. And he said to me in his deep voice, Matthias, I really like this role because it's so funny. And you know what? I'm a funny guy. And um, I was like, yes, yes, of course. Um, yeah, 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 whatever you say. He goes, you know, I go to auditions and all they ask me is to roar and growl and shout. And I'm much more gentle and kind than that. Um, and I was like, ah. um, yes. Yes. And, um, you know, and, um, and we started chatting and I realized really quickly that, you know, yeah, honestly, Dave is kind of such a sweetheart and such a lovely guy. And so, you know, um, good natured and, and non-aggressive. And, you know, um, I, I kind of, um, saw the twinkle in his eyes when he was talking <laughs> and his sort of own mischievous sense of humor. And, uh, I realized that, um, this could really work. And, you know, I think, um, it was only until a year later that I met him in person. He just came off the set of, um, of Spectre mm -hmm. and, um, you know, he turned up and of course he is sort of seven foot, huge guy, deep voice, all of that. <laughs> and, um, but, um, but he, he sort of, he was just sort of such a sweetheart to work with. And so, um, so great. And then, you know, his sort of cheeky sense of humor felt really, um, really worked in the scenes I was, it was it was great to to kind of um see him do that and then of course just his physique kind of hides all of that because he's so big and he's got lungs the size of trucks you know <laughs> yeah that's great you just like you cut like an awesome promo right there for ww it was so good <laughs> yeah um, oh, good what are some of what were some of the big challenges uh working on uh enter the warrior's gate 
and some of the most fun you had on set as well. Yeah, I mean, you know what I had in many ways, it was an amazing experience because um, I, I, I managed to go to see a, a film in those amazing legendary film studios. I got to go to the amazing landscapes and put our actors on crazy kind of um, mountainous rock paths and circle them with helicopters and, you know, get a lot of shots that um were really difficult to get because no one in China was even, or you know, they were kind of saying to me, why do you want to go on location when you can just shoot it on green screen and put it all in in, in post? And I was like, no, <laughs> do it for real. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, people can tell when you have a cheap green screen and, and the backdrop. And, um, you know, yeah. it's very tough to persuade, even to persuade um, my line producer uh, to kind of spend 10 days in, um, in near Vietnam in a beautiful landscape with two actors and a small crew, um, and he goes to me, you can't shoot with a small crew. You know, how can you make a movie with less than 250 people? Um, and I'm like, well, you know, we do that in, in Europe all the time. Sometimes <laughs> we make movies with 20 people. <laughs> and they looked at me going, but that's impossible. How does that even work? And then we spend like two weeks working out how you can have a crew of just 50 people with two actors yes. to make some simple shots that were, you know, where you turn up and you have a beautiful landscape and, you know, and it's sort of a vast amount of production value, but um, you don't need to have the whole circus. But um, that was sort of fun that we managed to do that. And, and then throughout the process, you know, it's sort of, I guess, you know, there were so many things that were so easy to do. So, for example, I could say, OK, I want 300 warriors of the Tan Dynasty. And they would go, okay, no problem. And, you know, <laughs> run away. And two weeks later, I would have 300 warriors, all in custom armor, custom weapons, wow. Tan Dynasty, no problem, you know. And, um, and then, you know, there was little details where the first 150 warriors were kind of strong lads, you know, Amazonian women, great. And then there's maybe the last sort of 20 were the sort of this, this small sort of village granny in her 90s who could barely lift a sword <laughs> and was sort of shivering, holding on to it. Um, but, but, you know, then you, that's sort of the task. You arrange everyone so it all looks like a, a homogenous whole. Yeah. Um, and it all, it's all good. And then, um, but then on the other hand, you know, there was a moment where sort of interestingly – I said to them, for my barbarian warriors, you know, I want to try something new. And, um, and I want to try to mix a Mongolian warrior with Mad Max. And my costume designer, um, who is sort of a more um, old, old, you know, old, old school, and I get to that later, she said, looked at me going, Matthias, what you are asking for is impossible. <laughs> and I was like, uh, 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 but why? Um, and she sort of, and it was sort of in her mind, um, you know, it was very easy to do 300 warriors of the Tan Dynasty, but to kind of combine a Mongolian warrior with the futuristic idea of Mad Max was just really um, not something that traditional training teaches um, artists over there. And um, and it, it sort of I realized that maybe everyone over over 30 has a sort of older um, mindset of, of thinking within the sort of communist sort of no lateral thinking, no combining of ideas, just 
one one we just do what we're told and we're doing tan dynasty or we're doing historical things we're doing it you know we're doing it the way it's always been done and we're really good at it right and um and that's amazing and then there's a younger generation that's coming up who are thinking a little bit more crazy and who are kind of playing around and mixing things and i think that generation's really going to change um the way movies are being made and um the entertainment that comes out of asia very soon and um and yeah, and then the end of the story it was that um, I worked with a Korean concept artist who drew up Mongolia meets Mad Max, and uh, I gave the drawings to uh, my team, and they went, "Oh, you just want that?" I mean, yeah, that's all I want. They went, "Okay, no problem." They went off. <laughs> <laughs> it all worked out. That's great, and it look it looks amazing. Um, and I have to and I have to ask. Uh, this is my last question for you. Um, since you're obviously like a huge fan of cinema passionate about it what are some of your favorite scenes from film that have always stuck with you and that inspires you any film okay um you want to start obscure yeah start obscure okay so um i mean the sort of the warriors that sort of like that were sort of digging themselves through the sand like moles in a chinese ghost story by chewy hawk okay it just stayed with they kind of go dive into the ground and to the ground and then they bump, jump out again. Amazing. That was sort of a, a sort of obscure Asian reference. I, lo- I loved growing up the stop motion films of um, Jan Spunkmeyer. Uh-huh. Um, of the heads, the clay heads eating each other and spitting each other out. Yes. Um, classic on 35 mil film before it was easy. And then... Um, also, what inspired me was the um, the scene in Jean-Pierre Jeunet's Delicatessen. Oh, where, that movie um, is so good. You know, the one, the, the squeaky bed scene. Yes, I found yes. Um, so cinematic and, um, you know, a, a non-storytelling cinema moment. Very inspiring. Then um, Peter Jackson, um, Dead alive or brain dead, depending what which country you're in. The um, the baby, the zombie baby, and the um, playground <laughs> kicking yes. scene. Yeah, it's sort of reference that in Cockney's um, with the kicking baby. Uh, scene. No, absolutely, absolutely. It's so. Oh, those are such good. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> so, um, let's let's see what else. You know what? And then, um, um, true lies. Uh, um, what's his name? Um, uh, Cameron. Um, oh, James, James Cameron. Cameron. Yes. The the horse in the supermarket chase sequence. Yes. <laughs> and he rides the elevator with the horse. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. So um, that one, and then um, you know, also for me, the I thought the opening sequence of the in Michael Mann's The Insider um, where you sort of he filmed everything on a 18 millimeter lens handheld mm-hmm. really close to everyone raw and um, and for me that was a moment where I thought oh I don't need a dolly I don't need a, anything I can just take my at the time my Bolex with one lens and I can make a film and um, and that's kind of how it started um, so it's sort of a, that's the eclectic mix, I guess. No, that's great. That's great. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. This was great. And I can't wait to tell everybody about your new film. 
Absolutely. Thank you. And I, I hope, um, you know, I hope um, that all of this cultural cross um, fertilizing does help to um, to make our cinema more international and bring, you know, Asian stars to the West and vice versa. And um, I think it's work in progress and it's in danger of being an abandoned work in progress. Like um, in many ways, um, uh, India was a sort of big interesting place to go and make movies and then five years later people just gave up um and i hope you know we'll have audiences and and more people um willing to kind of try to make this work with I, making you know different unique in in a time when our world is building walls and exit and brexiting and you know and kind of putting fences up i hope there's still a a place where people are curious about other cultures, other people, and are, are curious about, you know, artists who try to mix all of those, you know. I completely agree because you get new ideas, you get new visions. I love all of that. I totally agree with you. So. Thank you. And um, great talking to you. Thank you for plugging my first movie and um, and this one. And, um, you know, I hope we get to talk um, on the next one. And, um, and um, yeah. Yeah, keep me posted. I can't wait. I'm a fan. <laughs> yeah, me too. Take care. Take care. Later.